This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oi, oi, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Benners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So... We haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Ravens <laughs> have mug kids for Doritos. Yeah. Oh, they love a Dorito. Hi, I'm Joe Marler. And I am Tom Fordyce. And this is Things People Do. Some people do amazing things on this show. We meet zookeepers, politicians, astronauts. And some people who do other things, like estate agents. Car sales. Sausage makers. Because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. See, I used to hate people, but this podcast has changed me. And now I can't get enough of people and the weird and wonderful things they do. On the underground, there are so many smutty acronyms and words. I'm just like a fat geezer that eats chips pie in the morning and sells things on the market still. Someone's either going to open the door or you might get smurfed. Smurfed? What? Yeah. What the fuck is smurfed? On the show today... My name is Ross and I'm a warden at the Tower of London. Door knobbing? Why was I saying door knobbing? <laughs> Why did that come in my head? Don't knob a door. So they started giving this elephant wine. Why did you give it wine? <laughs> He's a bit of a bastard. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, that was his nickname, was, oh, he was William the Bastard. What the fuck is this place? It's been all sorts. Wow. You reckon anyone's tried to steal the crown jewels before? Good question, Joe. I've also heard that the Tower of London has actual Ooh. ghosts. Well, let's find out. Welcome to Things People Do. Hello, Ross. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm excited, a bit nervous. That's not too bad, yeah. No, good. We're getting those nerves get out of the way early doors. You shouldn't be nervous because this isn't the first time we're meeting, is it? No. Something familiar. Yeah, you look very, very yeah. similar well, to a certain Ross that we met. How long ago was it? Month. Month. November. Is it that, that long yeah. ago? It was a Two fair month. amount. Of, yeah. Two months ago. Two of the month. See, your lovely, handsome face is actually... It's in Leicester Square. I mean, you need a pair of binoculars to see it. Uh, <laughs> I'm right at the back. But I am there. Still Leicester Square. Yeah, it's still Leicester Square. And to be fair, I have been told I've got a face for radio. So, 
you know, I get why the decision was made. It's all right. You want people to listen to the show. This is perfect. <laughs> so you're you're part of our rebrand, aren't you? I am part of the yeah. I'm very yeah very happy to be part of the rebrand as well. I'm a big fan of the show. I saw you guys live at the Palladium. Oh, yeah, nice. when you did that, so it was wicked. It was really good to yeah get along. My missus bought that for a birthday present, so very well done to her. <laughs> did your missus buy that for her birthday present? For mine. Oh, good. Uh, but she is also a fan, so it's all right. It works out. It's oh, fine. Nice. <laughs> okay, we've got, right. There's another reason why Ross looks slightly no, familiar. No, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> well, why can't? No, you can. So, Ross, um, I could look to my left here and I could look to my right here. Whichever way I look, I see a man with a shaved head, a big beard. Uh, a t-shirt which shows off his biceps, a load of tats and a bulk about their shoulders and their chest that I do not possess. We look good. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you know, the old saying, you know, uh, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. So, you know, it's all right. <laughs> Whose bid came first? Didn't, it didn't really come to fruition until I was about 21 and then I haven't had a shaved face again yeah. because I've got no jaw, mate. Same. Once you, that's it. Yeah. Once you, you get the beard, you're not going back. So you're a warden at the Tower of London? Yes, I am, yeah. What is that? Essentially, we go between the Jewel House and the White Tower, and we are there for security reasons, but also we do the tours inside both those buildings. There day-to-day, we do you know answer questions from the public, all these kind of things, and that's kind of the areas that we look after within the Tower. So you're like a upmarket... Security guard, yeah. Heavy. Basically, yeah. You're on the door, like I'm picturing now. You wouldn't be out of place on the doors like at a club in Brighton or something. I did used to work in security before I started as a warden. Brilliant. So it was a natural progression. That's where you saw, you went, right, I'm starting at Oceana. Yeah. Can't fucking deal with the amount of shit, the abuse, people pissed, drugs, God knows what. And then what's next? Surely the Tower of London's like the pinnacle of door. Door yeah. knobbing? Why was I saying door knobbing? <laughs> Why did that come in my head? Don't knob a door. Don't knob a door of like door watching, door guarding. Have you been to the town London, Jeff? When I was little, I think I've got like these it's a lot vague of people, yeah. memories of someone saying to me, Oi, pack it in. <laughs> um, Unrelated to the Tower of London. Well, I'm not sure that this is just like vague memories that I have it when I tried to remember it. I went, Oi, pack it in, otherwise you'll be locked away in the in the tower or something. I went, they don't do that. And I was like, yeah, they do. <laughs> like, they've once chopped a boy's head off in there. And as a youngster, obviously that scared me. Yeah. Is that true? Did they ever chop a boy's head off in there? Not to my knowledge. People have been executed in the tower. So we had 21 people out of the thousand years that it's been there have been executed within the walls of the tower, but predominantly it was Tower Hill where most people were executed. You just said about how old it was. Is yeah. it a thousand years old? The White Tower, the main building in the centre that everything is then constructed out from. Construction starts there about 1083. When you say White Tower, is it white? It was painted white, yeah. So it was um, painted white in the 12th. Yeah, not as white now, but it used to be regularly whitewashed. I'm trying to work out what this place is. Is it the place <laughs> during um, uh, November with all the poppies? That was, yeah, that was... Uh, that like the, the big thing that... 2014, uh, oh, the poppies. Oh, still there? No, no, that was only a temporary thing. Oh, that um, was incredible. It but came yeah. over the wall. So, yeah, that was there. Like um, a sea of poppies. Yeah, uh, people actually, they sold them off. They were purchasable. They represented uh, fallen soldiers throughout, I think it was for the... 100 year anniversary of the Somme, if I remember off the top of my head. I think my dad's got one somewhere. The Tower, Joe, I'm trying to think of the most iconic buildings in Britain. It's got to be top three. You can't really 
go anywhere without it in some way relating back to the tower. I was in Rome and someone said something about, uh, I think it was a pope who was doing a tour. And he was like, yeah, and he was the pope when uh, Henry VIII abdicated, you know, left the Catholic Church and formed the Church of England and at uh, the Tower of London, he was taken here. And I was like, oh, okay, great work again. Thanks. <laughs> Brilliant. Just trying to, <laughs> trying to enjoy my holiday, mate. Thanks for that. Back, straight back in at work. It is an amazing building and I think everyone recognises it, Joe. But also we know or think we know about some of the stories that are associated with it. So we think we know about the beef eaters, we know about the ravens, the crown jewels, I, princes Tom, murdered in the tower. <laughs> Tom, I really, no? I really hate to, first oh. of all, interrupt you and second of all, disappoint you because I don't know any of those stories which is precisely why I'm so excited to speak to Bryce, because what the fuck is a beef eater? I thought that was where you went... I'm sure I went there to eat when I was younger. Or you can eat buffet like a Garfunkel's. Right, let's get to the, the crux of it. It's a tower. <laughs> Strong <It's>, start. <laughs> where is it? And it's is it in, in London? London, okay? So it's, it's a tower in London. But what's the fucking point of it? <laughs> so uh, the point of it is that when it's built, this is after the Norman Conquest, so 1066. That Hastings? No, that there one. There you go. Good. That's yeah. good. Thank Sussex you. Chat. Yeah, yeah. Thank you yeah. Good start. Yeah. Solid. William takes over the country after the Battle of Hastings. So he rampages through the country. Uh, Christmas Day of 1066, he is pronounced William I of England at Westminster Abbey. He's not very well liked at that time. He's gone around nailing people to doors and all sorts of things like that to put down rebellions. <laughs> yeah, that always goes uh, down bad. Yeah. yeah. I liked him. Then he nailed <laughs> yeah. someone to a door. Like, mm. Yeah, he was a nice He's boat. a bit of a bastard. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that was his nickname. Was oh, he was. William the Bastard. <laughs> yeah, he was nicknamed William the Bastard. So, so why, um, I imagine we the, the reason we know him as William the Conqueror is because he was the, he he was the king and he yeah. then could say to people, all right, call me William the Bastard, you're going to get fucking nailed to a door, mate. Yeah. I'm so excited because this is like a <laughs> proper history lesson all over. Right, um, William the Bastard slash Conqueror yeah, is not up. well liked. No, so in order to hold the country, he needs places that he can be safe while he's moving around. There's a lot of people that you know want to get at him, kill him. So he decides he's going to build a series of stone castles all across England. At the time, there's not a lot of stone buildings in England at all. The Saxons lived in wooden huts, things like that. He picks the site for the tower at what is then Londinium, it's now obviously London, and there's some old Roman buildings there. It's 1083 construction starts. Uh, he never lives there, William, passed away in 1087. There's a fun story about actually his body's taken back to France, where he's from, from Normandy, uh, and due to the accumulation of gas inside, uh, it exploded at his funeral. He exploded? Yeah. That was... <laughs> <laughs> so they fuck. I'm trying to keep up here. So they go to put Hang the on, lid on. He was French. Yeah. Uh, well, technically, he was like French Danish. So he descends from Normans. Yeah. From Normandy. You've been to Latouque <laughs> recently. Yeah, but I didn't know William. William's not exactly the most French name going, is it? William. William Servat. William, William Servat. Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even say it in French accent. <laughs> Willem Dafoe. <laughs> It sounds French now when you say Defoe. Defoe. Yeah. Defoe. Yeah, Willem Defoe. The fact you've just given us, Ross, I think he should be known in classrooms around the world as William the Exploded. Yeah. So he actually exploded at his yeah, funeral? Yeah, so the amount of gas inside of him, they went to put the lid on top and put, and it just went bang. And yeah. <laughs> We've all felt like that sometimes, haven't we? We've all <laughs> never... 
Never good. You Chris, stuck, yeah, yeah, you oh. stick me in a coffin and push the lid too hard. I'm not, not being funny. <laughs> yeah, so it's not ending well. Um, well, yeah. actually, considering how much of a fucker he was, that's probably a fair way to... How did he die? I think he dies of old age. Right. Okay. Which, to be fair, at the time is not very old. So he's used an old Roman ruins to Just build the the foundations. Oh. And then the other types of bricks, so they start... Originally, it's a can in France. They start ferrying uh, rocks over from there, but it takes a long time. So they start going down to Kent and they drag a lot of ragstone up from Kent to the tower and it sort of speeds up a bit. Obviously, not a lot. They build up from there. Uh, but the architect behind it all, this is quite fun, uh, his name was Gandalf. Gandalf? Well, that's where J.R.R. Tolkien gets inspiration for, uh, for Gandalf. He takes Gandalf. We change around an A and a U. Get what are you saying? Because you're saying the same <laughs> word twice to me. <laughs> this is just my accent. So, I'm really sorry. So from, so from, <laughs> so yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yep. there's Gandalf. I know, I know. Yeah. That I haven't seen it, but I've seen extras. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll be given a script and you'll learn the words. You'll learn the. <laughs> and then he goes, and then you, you know, like I did in Lord of the Rings, and then he goes, action, you shall not pass! Cut. Sit in, sit in, sit in. Remember that bit? Yes. Yeah. Oh, good. Didn't need to do the whole fucking thing. I could have just referenced it then. Thank you. But yeah. Uh, so he was Gandalf. Gandalf. Gun. No, hang on. Who's Gandalf? Gandalf is the Norman monk who builds So he's the, the real tower. person. Yeah, he is the real person. Okay. And J.R.R. Tolkien takes his name, mixes it around a bit, and we get Gandalf, yeah, Gandalf, sorry. And yeah, that's why we have the tower there. So it's basically, it was designed as a fortress, a place to keep the kings and queens safe while they were in London. Who kept up with this idea once William was dead, though? It's a royal residency. So from there on, future kings and queens start living in there and they just add and expand to it over the years. So a lot of the outer wards built in like the 12th century and it just grows and grows from there. So it's about 23 towers altogether is the, is the entire site. It's massive. When you wander around, Joe, it is massive because you're used to seeing the walls from the outside and then you go in. It's, oh, it's, it's a massive, big isn't it? Yeah. Well, when you... was the last time you went in it? So I took the boys maybe four or five years ago and I have to apologise here, Ross. It was the middle of summer. It was <laughs> baking hot. We'd done something else in the morning. We got to London and we were fucking yeah. knackered. So we sacked it off quite quickly. Oh, fair play. No, I don't blame you, mate. <laughs> I don't blame you. It gets hot in there. And yeah, during the summer, I mean, we the can queues. have... Yeah, this is the thing. We In our peak times, we can have up to like 12,000 people a day coming through. So the queues can be... I mean, I've seen the queue for the Jewel House before, like snake back round on itself twice over. It's like a two-hour wait. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Some of the stuff, Joe, that's gone on the tower, right? There's, there's the stuff... The beef eaters, the ravens, we'll talk about that. There's been some crazy things going on there, Ross. Right, tell us about the Royal Menagerie, right? Joe, oh, yeah. so, menagerie. <laughs> menagerie, posh word for a zoo. Ah. So in the 13th century, they had a bear there, a polar bear. They got a gift, I think, from king the of king of Norway. Norway. So he's given them a polar bear. Imagine if you're in 1250, whatever it is, and you live in Londinium. You see a polar bear. Apparently, they used to put it on the bank, and it used to fish for <laughs> the yeah, fish in the Thames. In the Thames, yeah. this polar bear. Imagine walking down the street in London. I've got lots of questions with that. <laughs> How the fuck have they got that polar bear over here? So it would have been ferried over on a royal visit from <laughs> from the King of Norway. Uh, so it was quite common back then uh, when kings and queens would visit other countries or other royalty. They'd bring gifts with them. 
they tended to be the native species of wherever they're from. <laughs> imagine, um, imagine the king of Norway rocking oh, up. There's some... I have brought you a gift. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> what was it? Some, what, some food or a necklace? I brought you a polar bear. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they've yeah. got a polar bear. So they, they had, had a polar bear. Uh, one of the first sightings of an elephant here comes from the tower. They weren't sure. Obviously, there's no like David Attenborough. We don't know what these things eat, well, actually, drink and do. I think David Attenborough could have... To be fair. Looking at him. He's ageless. Yeah. <laughs> Here he could have been in Londinium. <laughs> Fuck! There's a polar bear! I haven't done my research on them yet. <laughs> it's fishing from the banks of the Thames. <laughs> Ooh, I, have they got any still? Uh, no, other than the ravens oh. and people's cats and dogs that run around. Um, but yeah, so the, the elephant shows up. They don't really know what he eat, drinks, or does. So they decide, I don't know how this was guessed upon. I'd like to believe they just laid out a bunch of liquids, but it, they think it drank wine. <laughs> what? So they started giving this elephant wine. Why did you give it wine? <laughs> I think they just shoved a load of different liquids in its face and it went for the wine. And they were like, oh yeah, that'll do it. Like, it seems to like that. <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine being his keeper and he's like, you've tried different things, elephant. The elephant's basically freezing because yeah. he's come from Africa. He's a bit off its food. Tell you, should we give him some wine? He likes the wine, Dave. Get more wine. So it lasted about a week, but oh, I mean, it was what, a, until it died. Yeah. Well, fucking hell, you've poisoned it with all your shitty wine. It's a decent week, though. Oh, yeah. You know, pissed out of its nut, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Picturing a pissed elephant walking around the tower. I like but it. yeah, so yeah, there was lions there, tigers. Uh, I think they had. A three-toed sloth everybody really loved at one point in time. So uh, a three-toed three sloth. three-toed sloth. Yeah. So, you, so it only had three toes. Yeah, they've got the little three claws. and Do they, they usually have more than that? Long. I don't think so. So why are they not just called I think it's sloth? just the variety, like, it's like those sub-varieties of sloth. <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, look at me, no. mate, like I should know more about sloths. Just because I, look I looked like at you yeah, and I yeah, said... Yeah, zebras, said monkeys, enough, uh, yeah. snakes. It was said you could come and see them. Uh, all you had to do was bring along a cat or a dog. That was the lunch of the lions. Uh, and then you could wander around the entire site. We had a lion tower where they would hold three Barbary lions. So, yeah. So this has gone from a house that someone <laughs> who, who started building it, like his defence house or whatever, to impose his power on the kingdom and protect himself. But then he didn't end up living in it, so he died before yep. it happened. Then, then the next king it. or his, his son got it. And then went, I'm going to fucking turn it into a zoo because all these kings and queens that come over keep giving me the things. Yeah. Who gave him the ravens then? So the raven, the legend of the ravens comes around the time of Charles II. Um, so at the time, there's a man called uh, John Flamsted. He was a famous uh, astrologer and he's at the tower. He's used, he sat up one of the turrets as uh, sort of this astrology, you know, observatory. He can see the stars. He's got his telescopes, maps and things up there which is fine in the evening. During the day, the ravens keep going up there. So they were already at the tower. So they um, were our we ravens. Had, yeah, so we had ravens in London for hundreds. Of, they're not here, obviously, anymore through human expansion and stuff. They've gone away. What? Um, Hang on. We've not got <laughs> ravens anymore? Not native around well, London. They're still at the black tower. birds you see flying about. Crows? Yeah. Ravens yeah, are. are slightly... They're crows. <laughs> <laughs> Are they related? They are bigger. They're like sort of small dog sized. Oh, they're quite large. Yeah. Fucking hell. When I tell this story, everyone's like, oh, right, they're really nice. And they're not. It's like a facade. They have seen them mug kids for Doritos before. Like two of whoa, them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They Ravens love a Dorito. Have mug kids for Doritos. Yeah. Oh, they love a Dorito. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why don't they go for something more? Maybe they really like Doritos. Yeah, but what like, flavour? Chili Heat Wave. <laughs> 
It's a fair crisp. Mm. It's a solid it is crisp. It's a fucking decent crisp. Yeah. Better than Cool Wave. Are you taking a piss? Oh. Yeah, Chili Heat Wave is the one. Are you taking a piss? Nah, that is. Cool Wave isn't even a flavour. It's yeah. a plain Dorito. Oh, no, it's not. They do plain it's Doritos. It's cool original, isn't it? Okay, sorry. I've got to check that. <laughs> um, if you, hang on. If you've got sorry. the power to mug a kid for his Doritos, why don't you, like, do something more like an iPhone? They can't eat yeah. iPhones. Can't really use them with the beaks. No. Just crack the screen. We should think these <laughs> questions through before they come out. Go on. Um, but yeah, so he's up there in, in his turret, but during the day, the sunlight reflecting off of the telescopes, nice and shiny and glints. The ravens like shiny things. So they go up there and they start messing everything up. Fuck all sake. of the papers, shitting everywhere. All the <laughs> telescopes are out of whack. So he goes to Charles <laughs> II, says, right, I need them gone. It's either me or the ravens. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, ultimatum. It's me or the ravens. <laughs> I'd love at some point in my life to make that ultimatum to someone. Yeah. yeah. It's me or the ravens. You've <laughs> oh, gone for the ravens, oh, haven't you? <laughs> someone tells Charles II this legend, if the ravens ever leave the tower, London will fall, England will fall, and the monarchy will crumble. Now, his father, Charles I, is the monarch executed after the Civil War. He's very conscious about public opinion. He doesn't want a repeat of this. So he's like, nope, see you later, mate. And that's how we get the Royal Observatory in Greenwich. It's pushed down there. But the basis of this legend, we believe, when William comes over, he has ravens on his banners. He descends from the Vikings who were given Normandy. His great-grandfather is a man called Rollo the Walker, said to be like six foot seven. He was too big to ride a horse, hence why he was called the Walker. Because um, <laughs> he had to walk everywhere. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, important that you do clear stuff like that up with me. Yeah. Thank you. Tom definitely got it first go. But... He could have used the elephant if he hadn't got it pissed on. Yeah. A nice claret. Good, yeah. Or a polar bear. Could have stronger back. Imagine <laughs> riding a polar bear. Immense, that, wouldn't it? So, ravens in Viking culture are very important. They are the messengers of Odin, who is the All-Father, the god of all of the Asir, or the gods in Norse mythology. These are very important symbols of the Vikings. He keeps them with him, and they are said to have buried the banners when they lay the foundations as like a sort of good luck kind of charm. So that's what we think it could mean when the tower crumbles, because you've removed the foundations of the tower and you've taken the ravens out. Not the physical animal, but the banners itself. But yeah, so that's how they're still there today. We have nine of them, I think. Have numbers ever dropped to a worrying level? Not to my knowledge. Either. You've still got ravens there. Yeah, they're still there. You can go and see them. You control them a little bit more. Or well, you can't really. You can't really. They oh. do as they please, but they purposely stay here. They get fed. They've got a house there. They've got a they're house. Happy. Yeah, got, their cages are all set oh, up right, outside. Okay. Although some of them do choose to mingle around the houses there. Because <laughs> they get fed, give them food, and they'll love you forever. They just hang around, and you can see them throughout the day. They, you know, glide around. They hop about everywhere. They, they like people quite a lot because they know they get things out of people. So they will sit around, come up to you on benches, stuff like that. Let's take a break, and then we can find out what the fuck the tower actually is now. Yeah. For my purpose of my timeline. Joe, I must say, you are looking magnificent today. Well, I'm glad you've noticed, Tom. I've gone and got myself a new wardrobe from Hera. Hera, you say? Please tell me more. Hera are my new favourite clothing brand. They offer good quality, attainable clothing and specialise in denim and comfortable sweats. Although they have a massively versatile and wide range of pieces for both men and women. You can go for an oversized look more suited to me, as well as a more tailored look for people like yourself, Tom. 
This does sound good, Joe. But say I go and get myself a brand new wardrobe, what happens if something's not quite right with my new Hera stuff? You could just send back your items for a refund, Tom. No problem. Their return system is very easy to use. Even you won't have trouble with your tech skills. Well, that's good news. Honestly, their stuff is great. Fits me lovely, great colours, and it's super comfy. Also, they've got loads of ways to earn points and exclusive rewards every time you shop. Absolutely ideal. Where can people find Hera, Joe? You can go and treat yourself to a brand new look at heraclothing.com. That's H-E-R-A clothing.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. This episode is sponsored by the marksman, Thomas Markham. To be more like Thomas, go to patreon.com forward slash things people do, become an official sponsor, get bonus content, and grow the show today. Right, those were the adverts. Joe, that was a fact-heavy first half in the best possible way. Loved it. We need to get back to your timeline shoot. Yes, yeah, so we've gone to the menagerie. 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 Just say zoo if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Small zoo. It was easier. <laughs> so on my timeline, it is currently a small zoo. Right. Then what does it go to? Um, well, the animals get binned off and they form London Zoo, yeah. uh, Regent's Park, which is this day. That's the first animals of London Zoo are the animals that were held in the tower. So after that, it's not really got too much of a purpose anymore. It used to be a storehouse at some point where we would keep a lot of weaponry, armors from from battles, things like that. And it begins to be spoken about as a museum. Prince Albert thinks this is a fantastic idea. He was uh, very invested in art and history, feels people of Britain should be more connected to their past. It gets opened up to the public and people can go around, be shown all of these different armors, to be told the stories from the tower, from the past, by Yeoman Warders or the Beef Eaters. Yeah, that's where we get it from. I mean, it was always holding the crown jewels as well throughout this whole time period. Oh, hang on. It was. It always had these jewels there? Yeah, so they were moved from Westminster Abbey uh, in the 1100s into the tower to be more secure because the monks kept nicking bits off of them. Come on, monks. <laughs> 
You'd think you could this trust is, a monk. This has really <laughs> fucked my timeline, Ross. I forgot. Like, that, it, so it, it was a zoo. It was a small zoo. Small zoo. And a jewel and a jeweler's shop. <laughs> and a, so they were there whilst it was still a zoo. Yeah, they've been held in uh, various different buildings throughout the tower, but now we hold them in uh, what we prefer to as the Waterloo Block. It was built by Wellington, named after the Battle of Waterloo, uh, and they've been in there since the 60s. What exactly are the crown jewels? So the crown jewels are a collection of objects, so it's not just all crowns, that represent the power of the monarchy uh, and are used for ceremonial occasions. So coronations, statement in the parliament. So all the stuff, bless her soul, at the Queen's funeral, yep. you know, when they was putting the crown on top, or take it, they were taking it off of the yeah. coffin, weren't they, unscrewing the scepter and the ball, the ball and scepter? Yeah, the auburn scepter. Auburn scepter. There was a sword, was there? That was the coronation, I think. Fuck. So all of that stuff yep, is all kept at the Tower of London? That's where it's all kept, um, and it's taken out from there to wherever it needs to go. So for statement of Parliament, for instance... It's taken from the Jewel House straight to Parliament. Hang on, are they all the real ones? Yep, it's all le- all legit stuff. Look, I, I've, I don't want I don't want to do this, <laughs> but I'm going to have to. I've recently listened to a TED talk about spotting liars. Right. So I'm pretty much an expert in spotting that now. So when I ask you this, Ross, right? Are they all the real ones or are they not? No, it's all real. Hang on, there's a contradiction there. No, they're all real. <laughs> <laughs> So they're all the real ones? Yeah. We only have in there, the two replica things we have in there are of the Cohen or Diamond and the Cullen and Diamond because they have been cut down over the years. So we want to demonstrate uh, just the immense size of them before they were cut to put in the objects they are currently still sitting in. So they're the only two replica things in there. So have they ever been stolen, Ross? So there's only ever one attempt. One attempt? Yeah. To try and steal them in history. And it was obviously a failure. Yep. Uh, it didn't go very well, but there was an attempt. So when, when was this? This is again in the reign of Charles II. Oh. Um, so was security pretty low back then? Like, with, did they have like crossbows and? I think it was spears and stuff. So things there was less advanced, yeah, than it is today. Um, You've obviously got it was easier and to get access. Shit well, it's easier to get access to people as well. Right. So Colonel Blood is the gentleman that tries to steal them. So Colonel he, Blood. Yep, that was his name. Colonel Blood. Suspicious name, that isn't it. Oh, he's an evil villain name, isn't it? It's like That's Bond brilliant. Is that a stage name or is that his actual name? I think it's a legit name. Don't think I don't they think did stage pseudonymed. names back then, did they? Yeah. Okay. But uh, he befriends uh, one of the yeoman warders, sort of buys him a few drinks, they become quite good mates, and he says, you know, could you let me and my friends just have a look around? And he's like... <laughs> yeah. He's not really been that subtle, has he? <laughs> no, he's... Yeah, bloke's had a few drinks. He's not really thinking straight. Yep. Uh, but he's like, yeah, no problems. Like, I can sort of show you around. I think they were held in the Martin Tower at that point in time, which is a slightly smaller tower. So they go up there, uh, he opens the door, they stab him, grab the jewels... Uh, and they make it about halfway through the tower before everything's locked down and they're stopped. So he is brought in front of Charles II, who is, again, like I said, very wary of public opinion. So he's like, why have you tried to do this? Why have you you know, tried to steal these jewels? Colonel Blood's a bit of a Del Boy character. Um, yeah, a bit of a sort of master salesman. He's got one of those um, jackets on at the yeah, time. Right? Like a sheepskin <laughs> coat. Yeah, looking like Neil Warnock yeah. managing in the 70s. Um, <laughs> uh, and... Uh, he talks his way out of being executed. And Charles II is so impressed with this, he hires him to be a spy. What? <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. Uh, so he sends him to all these like parties and state events. 
Does to... someone go, you look a bit like a Colonel Blogeezer? Yeah. He's, uh, he's, I know not you. me, he puts uh, glasses in his moustache <laughs> with the fake nose back on. Blood? No, no. Uh, just grows a dodgy tash. <laughs> but yeah, and he, he earns a really good living out of doing all this and gets like a state home and all these kind of things and... Yeah. <laughs> so they're the real ones in the tower. They are legit. They've only yes. been uh, nearly nicked once. Yep. I'm surprised that it's only been the one time. Yeah, it is quite surprising that throughout history you'd think someone would have made at least a bit of a passing run at them. Well, especially because, please correct me if this is wrong, I've got down here that the crown jewels, whether it's the... Sh who wrote Shaft? <laughs> <laughs> All of the all of the crown jewels, not just the crowns, all the bits and bobs that you got in there, are worth between three and five billion pounds. What? So we can't really put a price on them. They are deemed priceless because the thing with them is, obviously, you've got the physical value in terms of what gold, silver, diamonds are actually worth, but you've got historical value as well. So the people that have worn them, touched them, held them. And then one of them is the sapphire of uh, Edward the Confessor. That is considered a holy relic. So he is a saint. He is a canonized saint in the Holy Roman faith. I don't know how you value holy relics. I've never tried to buy one. So I can't tell you what that would be worth. So it's very difficult for us to gauge a price range on them at all. Which is the single most impressive, because you've seen them, Ross. Yeah. The single most impressive of the crown jewels. The one that pops into my mind the most uh, as a singular item is probably the Cullinan One. So It's a giant diamond. It's the world's largest clear-cut diamond. Right. Talk us through this. Fish-shaped, tangerine-shaped, uh, it's orange-shaped, like sort of large, large egg-type shape. It's, Hen egg? Yeah, it's quite... And it's clear. It's, oh, yeah. It, when it, it, you hit it in the light, it's... Like blinding. Are there any abstract ones like? Uh, yeah, there's. I mean, you've got the giant punch bowl. It was traditional for after the coronation there to be a banquet. So there was. We have a whole banqueting set of of items and what, like knives and forks. Knives, forks, cups. <laughs> Uh, you've got the Exeter salt. So that was a, a gift to Charles II from the city of Exeter for um, when he comes back after exile. Uh, he starts rounding up the lords that rebelled against his dad and Exeter don't want to be one of those people. So to appease him and show that they're very sorry, they have this big gold tower-shaped object. A big salt um, And it just holds salt in it. Does it have to hold <laughs> and salt? it's could got it not drawers hold... and... Yeah, you could put spices or whatever else you wanted in it. Uh, maybe a couple of spare batteries. We don't, we don't <laughs> want to join you lot. We're going to fucking stay on our own. And to make up for that is a fucking salt and pepper shaker set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got away with that, has he? Yeah, They've gone, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's a really like, nice yeah, one. Yeah, right. It's like he's got a wedding list together, and they've gone, they've gone like the big items are a bit, bit punchy. Yeah. They've gone past the bed sheets and the plate sets, and there's right at the bottom of the list, there's salt and pepper shake, and they've gone, yeah, we'll have that. Everyone gets the toaster, <laughs> don't they? Get him, yeah, get in the salt and pepper. Yes, yeah, so, well, this is the thing as well. With, with salt back then, it was a very expensive item. Not everyone could afford salt. So if you had salt at a mill, it meant you were someone who had money and influence. So the king used it as a way of gauging people to let them know where they stood. So if you could salt your food, you were in favour of the king. If you were further down the table and you couldn't, you weren't very well liked. Is this where, are you worth your salt? Yeah. Comes from... Yep. So the punch bowl, so that's made for George IV for his coronation. He had uh, the most expensive coronation in this country's history. Nearly bankrupts the country at one point. What? Um, yeah. He was very lavish coronation. A lot of the newer items were made for his coronation. Obviously, it's a huge bowl. It's designed to kind of show life coming out of the ocean upwards. It's got a 
gold dipped comp shell on an ivory rod that you use Some to of seems scoop. unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it holds, I fucking love it though. Uh, it holds 117 bottles of wine. This is big. Yeah. Not unnecessary anymore, is it? Because the um, elephant needs it. Yeah. <laughs> the elephant didn't drink out of it, surely. No, no. no I think no. that was long dead by that stage, I think. The more you talk about what's in there, the more I want to oh, come the and more intriguing it nick it all. <laughs> do you think I could do it? Yeah, this is what, exactly what I'm thinking as well here, Ross, because you have just <laughs> described the number of Unbelievably, almost priceless items. Mm. Not priceless, three to five billion. Three to five billion in total. So I don't know how much you can tell us about this, about the security, whether we just have to have Joe giving various potential schemes that he might use to do some pilfering and you just letting us yeah, know. Yeah, we can, we can give it a run. Right, so this is what I'd do. I'd gather all the compromising photos that I have of the royals. You've got quite a few of those. Yeah, you? loads. Yeah as well as all the documents that connect them to the drug lords throughout the world. So I'd gather <laughs> all of those documents, like in a box. Shoe box? No, like a wooden box, like an official wooden box with a clasp. Okay. So, uh, not locked, but just a clasp, so it's Classy. secure. What? Classy. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and throughout it, I would be composed and meticulous right. in my attitude. <laughs> why, 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 why? why have you chosen those two words? Just that's what I'd be. Just yeah. composed, <laughs> meticulous, like always, <laughs> in all my planning. Just, just for reference. Then I would take twenty hostages. Okay, I'd just gather them up. Ross, you're okay. one of them. Fair enough. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I'd threaten to shoot you right. with a crossbow, Ooh. one by one. Okay, like really, like thingy. And then if that didn't work, I would then say, oh, you think I'm kidding, do you? Yeah. And then I'd pull out an RPG. Right. Which is... A lot more high-tech, though, Grossback. Correct. And more, you know, fucking hell. Bang. I've got it on my shoulder. Mm. You're like, shit, this guy means... means business. <laughs> All the while, I'm still composed and meticulous. <laughs> but then I'd release you. Right. One by one, unharmed. So you haven't shot him with a crossbow? No, I've threatened oh, you it. Threatened, okay. I've threatened it. Yeah, so I've gathered them all in the in the tower. Where's all the stuff? Joy Waterloo. House. Waterloo block. Waterloo block. So we're in the Waterloo block. It's locked off. You know, Twenty hostages, and I'd release you one by one, unharmed, and you'd be well fed. I'd get deliveries in and stuff like that, and look after you. So I'd I'd maybe cause Stockholm syndrome because I've treated you so well. You're well fed. Right. You're actually enjoying yourselves. We're having a great time. Uh, you've been able to c contact your family all the time you've got your phones there's none of that but there is still that imposing threat of an RPG going in your face right, right? so that's always yep. there bubbling away lingering RPGs but I'm composed and meticulous whilst I'm doing it and then one by one I'll let you off unharmed well fed but whilst I've been like the aggressive composed meticulous front man you Tom <laughs> have been squirrelling away in the yes. background building an exact replica like wall and stuff in the toilets of the Waterloo block. Okay, you've you've just been squirreling away because you're the expert with that. And then me and you live there, so we live behind this wall. Once we've let you all go, you've gone and the, the police and negotiators are still trying to get us all and all that lot, but they come in, they can't find us. We've tidied up, right. we put the rubbish in the recycling bin and all that lot. Like yeah. I said, meticulous. We hide behind this wall 
We lived there for about a month mm-hmm. with all the jewels and stuff. We'll be playing dress up and stuff mm. whilst nice. we're there to, yeah. you know, pass the time. Quizzes? Probably. Mm. Probably about William the Bastard mm. and how he <laughs> died. Exploder. Yeah, okay. And then once it's all died down, we'll just walk out of there like a like tourists. We'll have a b- big holdall and then we just walk out there. With that, the jewels? With the jewels, with everything. And then we live happily ever after. That's a done deal, Ross, isn't it? Chance of, <clears throat> chances of that being able to happen? Yeah, it's not going well. <laughs> You don't think there's any realistic chance that I could do that? No, not with... even being calm and meticulous. Yeah, even with the calm, meticulous manner that it was, it was composed, yeah, composed and meticulous. Composed. Yeah, uh, is that because the security is so fucking tight now? Put it this way, I wouldn't want to try and climb over the wall in the middle of the night. Oh my god, it's like Indiana Jones, isn't it? I think we should still give it a try. This episode is sponsored by the following exceptional people. Go West! It's Joe Wesley. The joystick, Ben Joyce. Read all about it! It's Lorna, Dannon, Reed. Nibble, nibble, Stuart Kibble. Under the sea, it's Sebastian Schlofsky. Fab, you, Luss. Craig Jones. The cookie monster, Darren Linden. Queen Victoria Grace Lopez. Our oh, mini Marla Harrington Smith. St. David Ashby. And here's to you, Tom Robinson. The open brackets, drainage, close brackets, engineer, Warren Allsop, and John Walton Towers. To be more like all of them, go to patreon.com forward slash things people do, become an official sponsor, get bonus content, and grow the show today. Is it true, Ross, that there are ghosts in the tower? There are a few ghosts that are said to be around the tower, Ooh, yeah. We've got quite then. a lot. Uh, so, Anne Boleyn is obviously one of the bigger ones who's said to roam around. Was um, she, where, where was her head removed? At Tower of London or Tower Hill? At the tower. Inside of the tower. Ooh. Anne Boleyn was executed. Divorce, beheaded, died. Divorce, beheaded, survived. That's it. She was yeah. number two. Divorce, yeah. she was number two. So, she's the second wife of uh, Henry VIII. She was beheaded at the tower. She is beheaded at the tower by a French swordsman. She asked for a French swordsman to do it uh, because it's more efficient with a sword than an axe, apparently. I don't know, never done it, but there we go. Um, Isn't it weird weird that even though they're going to kill her, they let her have make requests like that? Yeah, but I think that's a a nice thing to do, isn't it? Like a last request. So Anne Boleyn's been spotted. So she's said, yeah, uh, roam around. You have uh, Guy Fawkes is meant to be heard screaming in the basement. Because um, that's where he was tortured after he was captured during the gunpowder pot. He was tortured. Yes. What the fuck is this place? It's, it's just really turned into. It's been all sorts and everything. There's not many places where that have kept a polar bear, and then also tortured. Guy Fawkes. Mm. Yeah. Do you know? Was he hung, drawn, and quartered? Uh, he was, but he uh, he sort of gets out of it by basically jumps off the scaffold and breaks his neck. But you had to have done something very bad to be hungry. I'm not sure that justifies it. Yes. Did they just do it? Bit mean. Did they just <laughs> do that stuff at the tower? Um, or did they? was it used as like a prison as well? So it was used as a prison. So that's where people were held. Right. Depending on your status, depending on where you were held. So some people were held in nicer areas than others and had servants that would get them things. Uh, whereas some people were held, like I said, within dungeons and basements and... Imagine being a prisoner and you've still got a certain... not nice places. Could it ever be a prison again? Now, the reason I ask that, Ross, is because our current prisoner population is 87,700. We are 1,200 people off of being capacity. Now, if for some reason we 
go over capacity. Is it possible that it's turned back into a prison of sort? Have you got the <sighs> facilities to be able to you, do I that? suppose you could have a bit of a revamp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> revamp. Get rid of all the, yeah, informational signage. <laughs> Don't need that. Um, but, I mean, the last time it was it was used up until sort of the early sort of 50s as a prison. I mean, Ronnie and Reggie Cray are the last people held there. They were at the Tower of London? Yeah. <laughs> This, this has been one of my favourite episodes. <laughs> the amount we've, I've learned so it's fucking great. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they were the last people ever held at the Tower. Ronnie Any and Reggie Nazis Gray. in the Second World War? Yeah, uh, Rudolf Hess, mm. the deputy Führer of the Third Reich, was held there. That's where he was housed. Uh, we had German spies throughout World War One and Two. Josef uh, Jacobs is the most famous of those. Um, he was executed at the Tower as well. Um, he's the chair, so he very interesting story around him. Basically, he parachutes into England, breaks his ankle quite badly. He's just laying in this farmer's field in pain. Decides it's better just to get caught, get some medical attention. So he fires his gun off in the air. Farmer comes over, finds him with all this German paraphernalia. So immediately he's caught sent to prison and he's held there for a little while and there's a debate around what to do with him. He's not actually learnt anything so he's not really committed like a crime as such but also they think he could learn stuff from the guards and send that back to Germany. So there's a bit of a debate. They settle upon it's best not to run this risk. Take him to the tower. He's held there for a few days and then he's executed at a firing range. The thing is because he's got a broken ankle they sit him on a chair <laughs> so his to chair, sort of soften the blow if he stands up he'll lean and fall and you won't get a clear shot <laughs> you want it to Go be a bit closer you want it to be quick and painless so he's tied to a chair that chair is still on display at the tower of, on the top floor of the white tower with the back blown out of it from, from the shot so he's executed <sighs> there I fucking need to get to the tower ASAP. <laughs> the amount of stuff there that I just want to have a look at and oh, there's yeah, there's so much interesting. What's the what's the like um, the thingy hour? What's the opening uh, hours? No. <laughs> okay, what are the opening <laughs> yeah, hours? That, that's uh, a good start. Yeah. Uh, nine till half four at the minute. Okay, and then what's <laughs> like the the peak? No, the non-peak. So what's non-peak? Off-peak. What's the off-peak <laughs> time? Um, so the best times to come are throughout the week, really, from Monday to Friday, I would say, off of school holidays. Okay. Outside, yeah, because school holidays, everyone Round. shows up. Weekends are normally very busy as well. So if you want it to be quiet, that's the best time to come. So how many people are going to the tower every year? How many tourists are going through the doors? So we estimate that we get about three million people a year. Three million? That come through. I don't blame them. This fucking, the amount that's there, they should be going there. Yeah. And learning as much as we've just learnt. So you are doing a certain amount of guarding. I feel like we need to talk about the beef eaters. Yeah. Let's get a definitive lowdown on the beef eaters. Ye- yearman. The, Yo- the yeoman. Yeoman. So their official title is Yeoman Warders. So yeah, they are the ceremonial bodyguards of the king. In history, that was their previous job. I think they outdate the Swiss Guard by about 17 years as the oldest bodyguard regiment Tight that. Uh, yeah. in the world. We're not quite sure how they earn the nickname Beef Eater. We don't know where it comes from. Do they have to eat beef or can you so, be vegan? Oh, I think we had a vegan Beef Eater for a little while, actually. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, we think it comes from the fact that they would test the king's food before he ate it for poisons. And he, the kings used to eat a lot of beef as it was very expensive meat. So it could be that. Or it could be that they were paid in beef at one point Sorry, in Ross, time. Sorry, I'm trying hard really to listen. <laughs> But Tom's fucking eyeballing me <laughs> as soon as you said 
These guys used to <laughs> taste the food of the king all just the time. Just think, if the rugby comes to an end sooner than you want it to, for whatever reason, be a beef eater. injury, disciplinary reasons, either. Why are you going there well, again? <laughs> I just think if you're looking for another career beyond the podcast, a royal taster might tick a lot of boxes. You, you get to sit there and eat someone else's food, which is what you want to do anyway. And you get paid for it. <laughs> they don't do that anymore. What do they do now? So now uh, they are used in ceremonial roles. So we have things like the opening ceremony every morning where we open the tower up to the public, but we have the ceremony of the keys as well. So this has happened every night for 800 years at the tower where it's the symbol of locking down the tower uh, for the evening. So they do that as well. Like do they actually do the keys actually lock yep, so they have, still? Yep, or is yeah, it just they lock symbolic? all the gates. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, that is great. Um, are they fuck off big keys or are they? Yeah, they are like what you would look like as like proper old school Brilliant. keys. Nice yeah. clunk, is it? Um, <clears throat> yeah, the big metal bars that come down. Yeah. But they've done that, like I said, every night for eight hundred years like the without show. fault. So that was even through uh, World War Two, it was actually disrupted. A bomb hit the side, the north bastion of the tower. Uh, set things on fire. It's done every night at a certain time as well. So it starts at, if I remember correctly, 9.45. And they were a bit late doing it because there was a bomb. It hit the side of the tower. Things were on fire. Uh, <laughs> just we're just going to put it <laughs> yeah. We're gonna put it back a few minutes. So, well, this was the thing. So they, they put all the fire out, did the ceremony, and they got a letter from the king saying not to be late again. It had <gasps> to be done on time. So they got Fucking a bit of a telling hell. off. Yeah, a bit of a telling off for putting out a fire. Um <laughs> <laughs> but Let yeah. it burn next time, I say. Sense of perspective from the king. I've, uh, but we have things like, uh, so for the constable's installation, um, I'm we just, have I'm the I'm conscious there. of the way you just said that word. Yeah, yeah. my what? accent's not very good for that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Even the word ship can get me in trouble as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. Um, so yeah, so for the installation uh, of the constable, they do marches and things like that. I've got... <laughs> He's done it again! <laughs> There's no other way of saying it. I can't help you it. You say it, Tom. I just think you put so much emphasis on the first syllable where maybe yeah. just a little bit quiet on that one. Big, yeah. Oh, no. Constable. 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 The gentleman of the tower. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they march for that. The coronation, they march in the coronation as well. So we have them, yeah, they do ceremony. But also they are around throughout the day as well. They do a lot of... Um, and what are they tours. wearing? Are they the uh, so they they've have, got a hat. Well, you would most commonly see them as they're featured on the gin bottle uh, in their ceremonial reds. So that's what they wear for things like the coronation. They have the, the red Tudor um, garments on. But throughout the day when you see them around the tower, they'll have a navy blue and red uh, uniform on. Now, I presume this isn't your... No. So this a, isn't your uniform as a warden not. of the Tower of London. <laughs> yeah. First of all, why haven't you come dressed as that? Because I wasn't at work today. This is my day off. Okay, so um, day off. Thank you for coming kindly on your day off. really appreciate well, that. I didn't have much else going on, did I? Uh, excellent. <laughs> Good to know that we're so high up on your list. Um, what do you wear then? Um, so we wear uh, the uniform of the royal household as wardens because we deal with royal objects um, so I have a very long coat normally uh, so towels uh, we have trousers that are similar to sort of what you might see as military trousers so black trousers with the red stripe down them mm -hmm. as well uh, and then black shoes as well but we do have top hats as well that we wear within the crown jewels um, that are custom made for us there's a bit of a process all of that uniform to be fair is tailor made for us individually we have our own tailor that will come measure up uh, his name's Pete he's quite a nice bloke uh, <laughs> shout out to Pete yeah <laughs> yeah remember that Pete Somebody shout out um, <laughs> uh, so 
they when you join um, as a warder, we go to the tailor straight away. They'll measure you up uh, and get the uniform out for you as quickly as possible. And then we have the tailor as well. Uh, it's all of these have to be approved through the royal household as well. We can't just use certain companies like anyone. Can't go down to Primani buy your shirts. They have to come from a certain company that is approved by the royal household. Now I don't need. I don't really need you to answer it. Okay. Because you've already described to me throughout the episode why the Tower Leonard is such a great place yeah. to go and visit. Because I'm fucking doing it. Oh no, one hundred percent. I'm coming back and actually getting a better memory than, oi, pack it in, you little shit. Otherwise, <laughs> you're going to get your head chopped off in the tower. Like, why? Just sell it to us. Sell the tower to us, like you haven't just made me fall in love with it already. <laughs> so. I, to be fair, I never visited until I started working there, and I live forty minutes down the road. Um, and it was honestly, it's mind blowing. Like the amount of history that is connected, to, like to that building, it's a thousand years old. It, it's a medieval fortress in the middle of a modern day city to start with. So even visually, it's incredible just to look at. But the things that you learn, you'll see. If you spend about three hours in there, it's so big. Um, so it's well worth doing if anyone is a fan of history or if you just want to, you know, learn some curious, odd bits about history. There's so much that's gone on. I mean, I haven't even touched upon the fact that Isaac Newton was once there. He was the master of the mint, so he, all of the coins of the realm at one point in time were minted within the walls of the tower. Right, brilliant. Because my... Uh, oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. Um, what the fuck did he invent the mint? <laughs> <laughs> he, did. Well, he, he discovered gravity, and then in his downtime, he invented. Would well, you know what he did? Stretch freshener. <laughs> <laughs> he did invent something for coins. Actually, coins used to not be what we now have, like as a numerical value. It was off the weight of the coin. So if it was two pounds of silver, that's what it was worth. It was the fact it was two pounds of silver, not oh, it's two quid. People used to clip coins. So that's they're very soft metal, so you cut the edge off of them. That would then degrade the value because it's not as much weight, and they would take these clippings, melt them down, make their own coins. So you have fraudulent currency, the currency's not worth as much, so there's a big crisis around all of this. And this lasted for hundreds of years. No one could sort of figure out how to stop it. Isaac Newton becomes master of the mint, and he, through the technique of milling, we have those grooved edges now around coins. That combats people clipping the coin because you can see the coin is damaged, and it's not what it should be and it basically that problem went away overnight after that so there you go I had no idea that a warden of the Tower of London could have taught me and you Tom actually by your face because you have been I've been blown away yeah, um, yeah. so well, I'm glad much you guys have enjoyed it it's been, it's been a lot of fun to be fair I can't wait to, to come back to the tower no if you I'm like, going so back to town I'm just going to badge you for more that's fine if you guys ever want to come day. along just give me a shout and I'm more than happy to sort something out and we can we guide go. you guys around let's do it yeah, well, we'll, you we'll need to won't we because of yeah, oh, um, yeah. Right. reconnaissance yeah. we talk yeah Ross thank you so That's much for right, coming man. on it's been a pleasure honestly thank you very much for having me incredible Tom I've come away from that episode buzzing with an extra litre or two mm. of knowledge that I've then placed in my fountain which I then can spray at people as and when needed Whoosh. with facts that I didn't know before Ross came on and told us, oh, fucking hell, the amount we've learned 
about the Tower of London and the history that's behind it that I can now just spray around like it's my own fact and look really clever. Very similar to the sort of things you do with wordplay. Thank you, Joe. I thought Ross was an amazing guest. He filled my brain with things that it didn't even know it wanted to know. He did look quite a lot like you and that <laughs> did make me feel slightly left out, but I got over it. Um, I wonder, Joe, if at some point we might end up doing some sort of side project on history. You know, Romans, Vikings, the Greeks of ancientness. Like a spin-off? Well, maybe. We're in a land of spins. We do things people do. We do things people did. What about things people did a long time ago? Fucking hell. What, what happened to the power of three? Things people did a long time ago. It's got to be in brackets. It's the past tense, so we need to think something else. Things people used to do. Things ancient did. Ancient things people. That's not three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ancient things people. <laughs> So if you put a hyphen in ancient and things, that's one word. So <laughs> it's, not, it's not, it's two hyphenated words. Is it? Yeah. Is that how that works? You'd have to take the hyphen out and make it like a German portmanteau word, like a massive... Oh, okay, yeah. Ancient things people used to do. No, or we just introduce it like a terms and conditions. Yeah. Terms and conditions, by you cannot believe you're under 18. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Do you know exactly, what I mean? exactly. Hard to sell, but I do like the idea of going back and doing a little mini-series on history because we fucking love it. We love it. I'll tell you something else we love, Joe. Go on. The brand new rugby podcast, For the Love of Rugby. For the Love of Rugby. And we love it because not only has it told me things I didn't know about rugby, but because it stars, number one, Dan Cole. <gasps> the cooler bear. And it stars number two... Ben Youngs. The man who's got even more caps than you and actually Danny Kale. That's sometimes controversial and Quinns, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy that them two have teamed up for a rugby pod. A positive rugby podcast. They're going to give all the insights into their 15... In fact, hang on, you combine Lenny's 15 years with Coley's 15... So what's that like? 30 years? Does it? Do you do that when they say, oh, they've got 30 years combined experience? Well, it is but, th it was the experience of the same years, fundamentally, because Lenger made his debut in, what, 2010? Nine? 2009. Nine, ten, yeah. And then was amazing on that summer tour in 2010 in Australia, remember that? Yeah. And the Cola Bear, I think he was 2010. Okay, so they've got loads of experience between Heaps them. of experience. Loads of stories between them. We've had a listen to the first episode, because... <laughs> Sorry, what was that thing you just did? It was a smug, a deliberately smug laugh. <laughs> it made me feel uncomfortable. Did my smug laugh. <laughs> well, it's not really that insider, mate, because it's available wherever you get your podcast, you fucking prat. You can find it on your podcast app. All you've got to do is search for For the Love of Rugby. For the Love of Rugby. And you'll get it. For the Love of Rugby. Bye-bye. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Podcast Network.